Welcome to the new era by Web3 Connect. We're helping you break barriers and build brands in Web3, the next generation of internet. Hi everyone, welcome back to Web3 The New Era. Today we have a little bit of a different episode for you that focuses a bit more on the NFT project versus the people themselves. We have two guests with us, Matt, the founder, and Seb, the marketing and business development lead for CrowdSurf, an NFT project that aims to create a powerful network of quality investors who will be able to rate, amplify, and provide feedback on projects. CrowdSurf is a great example of a project that is looking to make a positive long-term impact on the Solana ecosystem, comprised of genuine builders who organically found each other and discovered their common goal of achieving that dream. CrowdSurf is looking to raise the standards and expectations we, as investors, hold for project teams by creating a platform to more easily allow buyers to demonstrate conviction in their NFT investments and projects to display their financial information, KPIs, and other other key details integral to these investment decisions. Holding project teams accountable to their claims and providing the information necessary for you, your mom, or your grandpa to determine what is or is not a sound investment. Listen in to hear Matt and Seb talk about the upside of a bear market, how maturity, patience, and focus are underrated traits lacking among those currently in the space, how CrowdSurf is solving many prominent issues for investors and projects alike, and their outlook on where Solana will go within the next two to three years. With all of that said, let's get into the interview. And as always, this is not financial advice. Do your own research before making any investment decisions. All right, and we are live. So we have two guests joining us today who are core members of CrowdSurf, a project that is aiming to create a powerful network of quality investors who can rate, amplify, and provide feedback on quality projects. So our guests today include Seb and Matt. So I will pass it over to you both to introduce yourselves a bit. All right. Hi, everyone. And uh, thanks very much for having us on the podcast. Absolute pleasure to be here. I suppose a, a brief introduction to me. My name's Matt. I've been in audit accounting and finance at a big four firm for the past six, seven years. And during mid last year, I moved to a crypto startup where I lead their finance team. It has been certainly quite a ride. I got into the Solana NFT space in about November, literally just because someone said, hey, check this out. It's a JPEG on Solana. And I thought it was pretty cool. And it it really sucked me in. And I guess I've been in the space as a participant ever since and hopefully soon going to launch our own venture. Hi, everyone. So yeah, thank you so much for having us. I really look forward to the chat. But yeah, a little bit about me. So my name is Seb. I've done uh, quite a number of different things in my life. I graduated as a marketing and brand manager or brand development. And uh, ever since I've been running different kinds of uh, music events, like festivals, things like that. I've been involved in film. Also, more recently, uh, started uh, my own company back in South Africa, where we do uh, custom printing mouse pads and desk pads for businesses and for consumers, which has really been fun. And then more recently, got into the Solana NFT space. I fell in love with it immediately in about uh, Feb. Got involved, got stuck in, did whatever I could to learn and kind of like ingrain myself in the space. And yeah, uh, eventually um, managed to find Matt and they brought me on board for this project, 
which has been amazing and an, an incredible experience and really, really exciting. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to share what we've been building with the, the rest of the ecosystem. Yeah, I truly can't wait to see what you guys are building as well. I mean, it's really exciting. I will say building in this time in particular is really hard. I mean, like we're in official bear market territory now and this sucks. I mean, if you, if you only want to see number go up, it really sucks. Like I'm getting mint fatigue, like Magic Eden volumes drying up, not to mention the sole price is way down. Can you guys talk a little bit about like what you see in this market and then even potentially why these cycles are healthy for the entire ecosystem? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, we tend to forget when prices are just going up, but this is a very common and predictable cycle. It goes up and it goes down. And each cycle tends to be something new. It might be Bitcoin, it might be DeFi. The cycle, one of the big things was around NFTs and all of the wonderful things that they can do. On the negative side of that, a lot of projects promised a lot of things, ultimately didn't really deliver on that. And, you know, in terms of the whole ecosystem, it's certainly healthy to to weed out the value extractors because honestly, all that's going to be left after this cycle is people who are building. It does make things especially difficult for us, being a pre-mint prospect, hoping to raise funds to actually build our vision, we did take a build first approach where we delayed our minting and actually tried to build something first to prove our worth. May not have been the right strategy, but ultimately what we're trying to say is we believe in quality, trust and accountability. And if we're going to say, help us fund this vision, we want to provide something first. Oh, that makes complete sense too. And I think it's it's crucial, especially in this time, that you have a product built before you mint simply because it's like it looks like just investors are tired of playing hot potato with these degen mints and they want to invest in something that they know is going to be here, at least for the medium term, right? And to that extent, like people are just for the most part, it seems like they're done minting any and everything, and they're a lot more selective with it. And to that extent, I think that what you guys are building at CrowdSurf has a really interesting kind of value proposition, kind of closing the gap between what people invest in, like what they think they're investing in versus what the actual product is. Can you talk a little bit about what CrowdSurf is and how you aim to bring that transparency towards what a project is building and like what the positive is for dedicated investors as well. Yeah, sure. Part of what we're trying to do here is we try to build the tools that'll define and let you prove that you're a quality investor and likewise lets projects or ventures prove that they're a quality investment. Ultimately, on the investor side, we wanted to give the smaller guy a chance The success of an NFT venture is ultimately dependent on, one, what is the actual venture providing? And two, it depends on the holders. Are they contributing? Are they holding? Or are they flipping? And it just struck me that a lot of the loyal holders in these projects simply don't get the recognition that they deserve. You know, we throw around this term diamond handing. But ultimately, it doesn't always serve those who are diamond handing. It just benefits the projects themselves. So what we're trying to do is give a tool to show that, well, this person has conviction in a project and they've actually held it. It lets them build up 
some sort of investor credibility so that when the next project comes around, they can have that and they can prove their worth. And the flip side around this that we're actively exploring right now since the winds have changed is this pledge mechanism. It's a simple concept, but it has lots of use cases. It's very much also a way that projects can use to actually give value back to their holders. Because at the moment, anyone serious about their ventures and keeping the community together is going to look for ways to actually keep people in their projects and keep people in their ventures. So yeah, I mean, basically like with the pledge portal, obviously like one of the main ideas we had was again, building these pools of quality investors. So, you know, by people pledging in projects that they believe in, you know, they allow themselves to build up a score based around the projects that they believe in. Be that, you know, let's say you are a investor who really likes DeFi and, you know, you have a majority of your projects that are pledged on DeFi. You know, now you've built a score based on that and achievements based on that. On the achievement side as well, it's, you know, we want it to be really social as well. So it's like, you know, it's a fun way to also prove your worth as an investor. But basically, you know, then we could approach other projects that are, let's say, another DeFi project and be like, here, we have a pool of people that have actually shown their conviction and, and show that they can commit to investments. That way, reward them with whitelist and stuff like that, which I think is a pretty unique and simple. It's a simple, but it's, it's, it's something I think people would really look for is, you know, as a project owner, you want to have a strong user base and you want to give out, you know, majority of your whitelist to people that are actually going to stay for the, for the long run and actually believe in what you're doing. But, you know, obviously now with the market and, and the way it's going, you know, the beauty of the pledge portal is that it allows us to pivot in, in different ways, you know? So now what we're doing is putting a bit more emphasis on, you know, this idea of like having projects reward their holders for pledging, you know, their NFTs. You know, I think that's also a really nice and unique way for projects to add more value as well as also help cement their community, reward them. Like, let's say you have like 50 people in the community and it's like, cool guys, make a 10-day pledge. And at the end of the 10-day pledge, 10 people or, or whatever will be put into a draw to win something. Or you could do like kind of social raids where you have people, everyone goes and shares their their pledges um, for the project on Twitter and things like that, which we are working on having a, like a Twitter share button. So we really want to make this like a way for projects to like help reward holders as well as help them also, you know, get more exposure out there. I think it's also a nice way to highlight a lot of these projects because there's a lot of projects that have like really diamond handed holders that maybe aren't all in the mainstream in terms of, you know, like they always being talked about and there's always stuff going on about them, you know, on Twitter. So let's say you had a project and you had like, I don't know, 4,000 people who were like, willing to pledge their NFT and share that to Twitter because it's like, oh, I love this project. This is a way that I can, you know, other than me just posting a photo of it and saying, I love the project, you know, you could, you could make this huge impact with everyone posting their pledges. Like, yeah, I've pledged my NFT for the next 10 to 30 days or whatnot. I think that'll be a very powerful way to help also like put emphasis on those types of projects. So yeah, I mean, I think the page portal really has so much use case. And I mean, even over and above just those two, you know, the whitelist or the rewarding mechanisms, there's quite a few other things you can do with it as well. And it's such an interesting concept with the pledge portal that you can reward people directly for being diamond hands, right? And the interesting thing about what you guys are doing, at least my current understanding, is you're facilitating that pathway of identifying who pledged to be a diamond hander and who followed through with that. I'm wondering different ways that these projects would be able to reward those diamond hand holders. Like, would it just be through whitelist spots? Are there other ways that you guys could kind of help these projects identify different ways to add values to those diamond handers? 
Yeah, so I mean, that's something we're heavily focusing on now as well. And I think it also depends on the project. It could be as simple as them giving away their token. Because I think, you know, the whitelisting thing is, is you know, it's a little bit separate in the sense that it's like, that would be us or other or new projects in, coming into the space, either us approaching them or them approaching us and being like, hey guys, we're looking for a large amount of people that believe in DeFi projects and have a high investment score in relation to that. And we'll have that information. We could be like, well, here we go. Here's 500 users that have a huge belief in this and have proven track record of pledging such projects and completing these pledges. So I think that would be a huge way to reward people. But I mean, in this sense that I'm talking about in terms of projects rewarding, it would be like, you know, an already established project rewarding their holders, whatever way they see fit. I mean, they could reward them with NFTs. They could reward them with, like I said, tokens. You know, there could be maybe a status in the Discord. There's lots of different ways that different projects would probably find best to reward their holders. And I mean, obviously, we'll also think of ways that they can do this as well. And as time goes on, I think we'll be able to devise more ways that we could participate with them in rewarding these holders. So yeah, I think that value is going to be really sought after, especially during these market conditions is like, you know, you really want to strengthen your community. And one way to do that is to show the conviction your community has in you. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I love what you're doing because in a flippers economy with a lot of people just kind of grinding for whitelist just to make a quick buck and sell it off on secondary immediately after mint or nowadays you're even seeing people start to sell and undercut floor price as the project is still minting because of you know that new change that Magic Eden made, which there's a lot of controversy around. But creating a mechanism to reward and demonstrate which investors actually believe in the project Project and want to use it for its utility and are not just trying to make a quick buck off of it is one of the biggest issues we're sort of seeing in this space and being able to grow a authentic community of people who want to be there for you. Another problem we see is if you flip that coin on the project team and the founders side, right? One of the most important aspects of building trust in a decentralized space where anonymity is so crucial is to kind of share information as a project team, as a founder, share information about, you know, your previous work experience, your qualifications, your motives, your incentives for starting the project. So I'm curious to hear a little bit from you both, like why you and your team are doing this and kind of what background experience you sort of have that makes your vision a really solid investment. Yeah, sure. So in terms of the team, me as a founder, from my background, I come from a traditional finance background. And it's really important in a traditional finance background that you have a way to assess if something is a good investment. In the NFT space, there's no reason why the bar needs to be set so low. Ultimately, if you are selling and essentially advertising something as an investment that you're going to do something, there needs to be accountability around what you're actually doing, how you've progressed on your roadmap, what funds you might have available. And especially on a secondary market, that allows investors to make a decision of whether to actually invest in them. And, you know, a big part of my job is generating financial statements, reviewing financial statements, and actually making sure that the quality of that financial information is there. Likewise, the other key members of the team, the co-founder, Dan, he was one of the first devs in Arweave, which is the storage technology that actually facilitates JPEGs being stored on the Solana blockchain. So he's been in the startup space ever since 2017. One, he comes with the technical experience. Two, he's done the startup seen before. And with him, he's brought three other very high caliber developers. So in terms of a team, 
it really is matching the vision. And in terms of fundamentals, I do think we have that covered. Okay. And for listeners who might not be familiar with the amount of work it takes to start a project and the different steps that you have to take to make it happen, could you talk a little bit about your process? Like from the moment you basically conceptualize the idea to the product that you have now and the iterations that you're making right now, can you just talk us through like what that process looked like? Sure, absolutely. It was quite a long process. I mean, pretty much in mid-January, I ran up to Dan and said, Dan, I'm so excited. I have this idea for this NFT project. And it actually was a completely different idea to what we're doing now. So ideas do evolve and it's more defining what you want to achieve. Then it's defining what tool are you going to build? And then a big part of that, if you're actually going to bring something to market before you've minted is actually figuring out how to build that. And that's more a question for Dan than it is for me, but the pledge portal as it currently works, it might look simple on the front and it's designed that way, but on the back end, there's significant infrastructure, databases, security that goes into making this scalable, usable, and actually not cost a great deal to run. So what we have set up now is a really good infrastructure and a base to actually build and take this forward. Now, simply setting up your infrastructure, it's on the back end, you don't see it, that takes a long time. So every step in this process does take a long time. And it's also surprised me quite a lot in that how ideas can change and they get better and better each time. So to answer your question, it is a fairly lengthy process. There are various people involved from UI designers to artists to developers. And when I say developers, I mean front end, back end, infrastructure engineers. Every little piece of this needs to come together, including the community building aspect and the marketing aspect. So that's a great thing about NFT projects. It just brings so many different aspects together and everything needs to work. Yeah, I also wanted to add on top of that is, you know, another great thing I think about what we have going as a team and stuff like that as well is that it, it was a very organic process. I think from the start, you know, Matt and then brought me on board about two months or so ago. And I was actually contacted by a friend who's on the project. And, you know, then we linked up and then I found that the artist PJ is actually someone I grew up with back home. So that was amazing. And then Matt actually knows the developers and has met them all in real life. So the core team of this project actually all know each other and have a real connection. We're not just a bunch of random people that came together or were hired, you know, separately to kind of add value to this. Even now, one of our UI designers is a really talented friend of mine that I brought on board. So, you know, there's a real kind of like synchronicity going on, uh, you know, with the team and everyone's here to add value together. And I really think that's also tells a lot and adds a lot to what we're doing as well. That this is like a group of people that have real connections to each other that are, are busy building something together. I love to hear that. One of the best things about the Web3 space is that you can find like-minded people who have similar visions who maybe you haven't met in real life, or you can come into the space with people you did know in real life. Like there's so much opportunity for collaboration at such a global scale. Like you don't have to be in the same time zone to meet somebody and start a business with them. And so it really opens the opportunity to find super intelligent talent and driven, innovative talent 
anywhere. And to bring those ideas together to actually execute on something that can provide immense value to a space that's very, very new and very young, I think is just really, really cool. And I'm so interested to hear more about your product. I know we talked a little bit about it towards the beginning, but I was sort of surfing through your Twitter page, the CrowdSurf Twitter page, and I saw a statement that, you know, CrowdSurf intends to kind of become this social phenomenon that not only breaks the whitelist meta, but also kind of brings communities and like-minded individuals together. Can you talk a little bit about the vision for how your product will act as this sort of ideal alternative to the traditional whitelist approach? Is it just kind of like projects giving quality investors the chance to mint over flippers or what is kind of your thought on that? Matt, do you want to take that one or should I? Sure. So look, with the way that the market has turned, it has essentially turned us all into investors at the moment. If you're going to put money into something at this moment right now, you've got to be damn sure that you're going to get some kind of return from it. You know, the days of degenerates and minting to mint are probably over. And in my mind, that's a good thing. You know, everyone asks what the new meta is, you know, is it a brand meta? Is it a utility meta? And the meta we want to have is a quality meta because then it doesn't matter what you're building under that. If you have a brand, you have a quality brand, you have real collaborations. If you have a utility meta, you are delivering on what you are promising. So what we're trying to do is create a lens and a framework that people can look at the space and actually encourage good and high quality behaviors that are going to uplift the space because it really breaks my heart when I see these cash grab mints. There doesn't seem to be anything seriously planned for day two after they mint. You know, is it going to be some merch? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? Well, fine, but then is it really worth, I don't know, $100 or $200 or whatever it might be? In short, it's a bad investment, especially if you're looking at a long-term investment. So that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to make quality the new lens to look at the space. I think it's a crucial lens to start to integrate more often as well. The one thing that really kind of pops front of mind, though, is how do you assess quality? How do you assess the quality of the product or building before it's been fully built out? And I guess So the biggest thing for me is I want to get a sense of how good the team is. I want to get a sense of, are they on board with the same thing? Like, does the captain have his eyes wide open? And does he have very, very good clarity on where he's trying to steer the ship, so to speak? And I'm wondering to what extent does your investor hub kind of center facilitate that area of getting to know the project and kind of getting a feel for the founders because i feel like a lot of people are buying these projects blind obviously hoping number goes up but then obviously looking for a quick exit after and there are certain projects that you want exposure to in the long term because you believe in the team and the value that they can deliver but oftentimes that information isn't readily available do you guys have kind of a workaround or a way to approach that problem 
Well, I suppose just a comment on the problem. And yes, it's a very real problem. I mean, in the real world, if you went to a bank to get a loan for a business or you went to a venture capital fund and you pitched in the same way that some of these ventures are pitching, you wouldn't raise anything. And it's an excellent point about what you say around the team and the founders. And it's a huge challenge, especially in a decentralized space. Playing devil's advocate, I mean, I can say that I've done all these things. I mean, I have, but you don't necessarily have that evidence behind that. So it's a real challenge with the space. And it's also made even more difficult because of the accelerated timeframes, especially in a bull market there's this excitement and there's hype and people are not doing proper due diligence in this regard. And this reporting hub that we are proposing, it's not directed at pre-mint prospects. That's perhaps another question in itself. Or what we're trying to build and are building is a platform where one, we can set good practice. What should a project provide to be considered a real investment. And in that, it would consist of, well, information about the project, their vision, their team members, their roadmap, what they've done so far, and perhaps more importantly, what does their financial information look like? Do they have revenue? What are their expenses? What have they raised? And how long can they go without actually raising further funds? In the same way that you would look at financial statements, if you're investing in the stock market, we believe a similar approach should be taken when you're buying something on the secondary market. I know it doesn't directly answer your question about how do you assess a premint prospect, and it's not something that we are developing tools for, but it is a valid and it is a critical space that should be solved. Yeah, I really admire what you guys are doing because it seems like your mission really when you boil it down is creating a way to build trust, you know, among investors and project teams in a space where trust is sort of lacking. And your mission kind of reminds me a little bit of Soul Spot, which they're creating like a a snapshot of a person's online activity within the Solana blockchain and it's like automatically updated and you can kind of customize it too. But really the the bottom line is creating an identity for people where identity is very private in a decentralized space. And that is what we need in order to create a real sort of workforce and a real working economy in the Web3 space moving forward. And, you know, what you're doing with your reporting hub in particular, I think is really interesting. I was reading up on it and, you know, I see that anybody can really make a report on like a certain long-term investment project that they believe in and explain why, or even you can have established projects write reports on why people should invest in them, like their achievements, KPIs, current status. And I admire that too, because it really starts to create an expectation for projects to defend their business strategies and their plans with actual like tangible performance indicators. How do you intend to handle potential fallacies being spread through the like investor created content specifically, right? Because if anybody and their mother, right, can come and create a report on a project, is there anybody like reading through or vetting the content before it gets posted for the public? Or are you kind of more so marketing this as like a blog style opinionated forum where readers should kind of take the information at their own risk? Sure. So uh, I'm sure you've seen in our Discord, we have a channel called 
the reporting hub. And this is not what we intend to build. This was our attempt to get people in a quality mindset. And for that, I set out five simple questions about the product or the project in question. I think it was, who are they? What are they building? Is it unique or special? And what are they doing to uplift the space? So that's not what we're building. That was a way to try and get people into the right mindset. And also, to be frank, it was quite a sensible way to allocate whitelist spots, simply because we want those kind of people involved in the project. Now, you bring up a crucial point around, well, if we let creators and projects put up certain information, is that information correct? And in traditional finance, we have auditing as a function. And the purpose of an audit is to give an opinion on whether that information is materially true or false or would impact an investor's decision of whether to buy into that project. Now, doing that in a decentralized space is challenging. Ultimately, it would probably come down to two things. One, the reputation of the project itself. If the project itself is putting up inaccurate information, and someone found out about that, it would cause huge reputational damage. The second thing that we're trying to conceptualize and put into practice is an engage-to-earn model around reviewing, validating, and commenting on the quality and the importance of this information. Now, this is what we put further down in our roadmap. It would be a token-based approach in that we essentially envisage a number of people that could rate, review, and amplify this project information, something along the lines of a decentralized auditing function. On top of that, so like, yeah, so simply it would just be that we would give the projects the tools to update the information needed in terms of like achievements, KPIs, you know, we'll have a look at their financials and then obviously they can show like, do they actually have enough money to achieve what they want to achieve over time? And definitely also been looking into ways as to how to make sure that that information is correct. You know, have maybe a team that can kind of analyze that data because there's certain tools that can be used to also analyze this type of information and and where money has been transformed. I'm sure you guys all know about like, you know, blockchain investigators and such. So there's quite a few avenues that we're looking into to help make sure that all that information provided by the project is accurate. And then, yeah, like Matt said, at a later stage, we then incorporate the kind of review model for people to be able to review the projects. And then, you know, you could earn tokens based on your reviews. And then you we could build up a base of reviewers. And then you could have community also like, you know, comment on those reviews and upvotes and all that kind of thing. But yeah, initially, it's just providing the projects the ability to put the necessary information out there. I think Matt also always puts in a good ways and like, you want your mom or your dad, or your grandma, or your grandpa to be able to go on here and look at a project and have all the information they need to be like, okay, well, that's a good investment, which I think is definitely an important thing to bring more outside investment in just for peace of mind for people. Yeah, absolutely. It's also setting a certain standard. We hope to get to a stage where if a project is not disclosing various information, whether it be key financial information or KPIs or whatever it might be specific to that venture, a question should be asked, well, why are they not disclosing it? So this is how we foresee the ecosystem and the space maturing. Standards are going to get raised. I really resonated with something that you just said, Seb, and how one of your underlying missions is to create a place for your mom, your grandma, your grandpa, anybody and their mother to come in and get the information they need to determine whether a project is a sound investment. And that 
is amazing. First of all, let me just say that because I don't have many people in my life who are in the NFT space in real life. So when I talk to people about what I do, they're very confused. They think it's impossible to learn. They think it's maybe a scam or they're just really not even sure where to start. And that whole concept of like onboarding more people from Web 2 into Web 3, as Nolan puts it, making the pie bigger instead of trying to capture market share of the existing pie is so important. So I really love to see projects like you guys doing that exact thing. Yeah, I also think like on that point, I think it would be amazing to get to a stage where that becomes the norm for projects, you know, because at the end of the day, it's like another th- a huge problem we have, are obviously slow rugs. And I'm sure we've all been part of projects where, you know, you've been promised something and six weeks down the line, they release whatever it is they were doing. And it's not near what you expected or what they kind of were alluding to. So, and obviously we're not saying that this is going to happen. You know, obviously we have to work with these projects to onboard people. And I think it'll only be beneficial as a project to have this information out there in a concise way that's not in discord or you know that just that anyone can come look at this information and again as well it also become a a thing where you look at projects and you go well why aren't you sharing all your information why do you not want to share this with us you know because then that brings into question what are your actual motives and i think that's such a beautiful thing that we say is like you know accountability for not only the investors but also the projects in that sense it's like by showing your pledge score you know building up investment you know you're showing your your quality is a little bit more like, okay, well, I believe in this project. So you're kind of holding yourself accountable to that belief. And and then at the same time with the project information, you know, it's like, well, it's a responsibility for you guys to be accountable for what you're doing and what you're promising people, you know, because we're going to make this space what it truly deserves and has the potential of being. And uh, yeah, I think the quicker we can do that, the more it's going to benefit every one of us who are actually here for the long run. Completely, completely agree. I think that having these projects like do their own write-ups and showcase what they've done, what they've executed on, what their vision is contrasted with other projects right next to them that are garbage. Like all of a sudden it becomes really obvious what one project is missing that another one has in terms of transparency, in terms of execution. And I think it'll hopefully raise the standards in the space, especially if people start to use this platform as like a go-to to kind of get a market overview or these projects are able to kind of put up, basically sell themselves to some extent. You get to you get to compare and contrast right next to each other. And it's really, really cool that it's kind of located in one central hub as opposed to just scattered on different Discord or different Twitter pages or whatever. It, it's a really good way to centralize it. I actually really like that. And I know, as I say centralize, I'm like, oh my God, we're in crypto, not supposed to be centralized in any way, shape, or form. Centralization has a place in crypto, 100%. And I think you guys are making a really good kind of move towards that. One thing I noticed, so I was going through your white paper and I was on the key terms And I saw um, high quality as one of the terms that you put, and you define it as behaviors and traits that make you a valuable investor to both the projects you're involved in and the ecosystem as a whole. So I guess I, I wanted to get a couple clarification points for our listeners. The first one being, let's assume that maybe it was a high mint like Bubble Goose, but I pledged, right? And it was seven soul, maybe seven soul was out of the 10 soul that I had. It was a huge chunk of change for me and I have to sell because maybe I see it going under mint and I really just need to get out and preserve my capital, especially with the market being as it is right now. It is a bit uncertain. Would that potentially hurt your score as an investor or do you not really get penalized for those kinds of things? So no, it wouldn't hurt your score because how we've framed the pledge portal is we've said, we understand that people hold certain things and they flip certain things. I do it 
everyone does it. Why not? If there's a quick buck to be made, like, come on, everyone's going to do it. But the question is, is what do you have conviction in? What are you going to hold for six months, 12 months, two years, five years? That's what we are most interested in. And that's why we've made this pledge system voluntary, non-binding. And we are asking people to pledge only what they have conviction in. If you have conviction in Bubble Goose, amazing. But if you're going to make a pledge and say that you're going to hold it for 10 days or 30 days, then hold it for 10 days or 30 days. So the other concept that we're trying to make clear here is that we don't want to penalize anyone for these things. What we're giving here is an opportunity to demonstrate your value as an investor. Exactly. Because we all know that obviously in the space, like flipping and, and these types of things are all part of it. You know, you flip projects to make a profit and then, you know, generally you're going to put that money into a project that you have more conviction in, you know, like everyone, that's the, the general thing. You're flipping projects to get into projects that you want to get into or, you know, make some money or whatnot. But we really wanted to make the pledge portal as user-friendly and as kind of like beneficial as possible to the user in the sense that we're not here to look at your past histories. You know, I think people, you know, would think, oh, but isn't it nice? Like I've been holding this this thing for a, like a year already or like six months already. Well, yeah, that is good. But the thing is then you're also dividing the playing field again for everyone. So if we start this new and everyone has a clean slate to start their investment journey on, I think that's a really awesome and powerful thing in the sense that it's like now everyone can start and show their value from the get-go. And again, when you pledge the NFT, we don't lock it. We don't take away your ability to to do what you want with that NFT. You can sell the NFT. You know, all that happens is that your pledge will be failed and you'll lose the points that you accumulated for, let's say it was three days and it was 10 days. So 30 points, you would have lost those 30 points and your pledge would have failed. But other than that, you'll have an indicator of how many pledges you've completed. But yeah, again, we don't want to take away the user's ability to do what they want with the NFT. If you need to get out of a project, and, you know, maybe you have financial reasons and you need to sell the NFT. Well, you know, you have to sell it. We're not going to stop you from doing that. But, uh, but yeah, I think uh, just having that level playing field and not restricting the user, again, just allowing them to pledge what they have a conviction in, what they believe in. Yeah, like Matt said, it's a voluntary show of conviction. And I think that's more powerful than any kind of locking mechanism would have. I mean, I think staking is a way of doing that, but you can't touch it thereafter. If someone pledged something and they didn't sell it for 30 days, even though they could, if they wanted to, you know, that's a pretty good indication of their ability to, you know, actually, uh, you know, follow through with the commitment. Okay. Yeah, no, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Thanks for clarifying that kind of switching gears here a little bit. You both are obviously builders and you have a background that is very clearly giving you an edge and an advantage in this space. And you seem like you're passionate too about kind of your mission and what you're building. I'm curious how you find new talent to hire for your project. So whether that be developers, artists, community managers, mods, et cetera, like what does that process look like of finding that talent, going through that sort of hiring process to select the optimal candidates for what you're looking for? And then also kind of what parameters you kind of consider or look at when you're deciding pay? Sure. So I can talk to the developer side of things, I guess. So as Seb mentioned earlier, this has been quite an organic process. I needed a CTO or, or 
lead developer to help bring this vision into place. I knew Dan. Dan was able to identify various parts or aspects of this that needed specific people involved. Within his network, he was able to bring in a front-end developer, a back-end or infrastructure engineer, and a full-stack developer. So it was a very organic process on that side. In terms of pay, we're all doing this for a percentage of the mint proceeds. So it is not a salary-based compensation at this stage. In terms of the community side, Seb, I don't know if you want to chat about that. So that's where I come in with the, the business development side of the project in terms of you know, partnerships and collaborations and also finding the right people. For me, I feel like I've been involved in in a lot of different kinds of businesses. I've worked, like I said, in film, I've worked in music for years, ran a lot of successful events. And I had like my own business, which is Vindo. You can check it out if you want to. So we just do custom desk pads and things like that. But, you know, worked in quite a few different areas. And through that time, I managed to kind of build quite a good sense for people as well as connecting with the right people. So I found us like, like Alex was a friend of mine and he's our, He's one of our UI designers. He works for another company called Revex in South Africa. They're like a crypto company as well. And just love his work and he's really good at what he does. So, you know, organically brought him on board. Then there was another one of our CMs, Dakota. I just loved the work that he was doing in another Discord called ZVK. And, you know, just a solid guy. I brought him on board. Then we have our lead mod, uh, Ledoyan. She's amazing. Also someone I know through the space. And she's just a really great person. She has a lot of knowledge about the space. So we brought her on board. It just kind of works like that, you know, like it's it's finding people that you relate to and that you, you see the potential in and as maybe corny as it may sound, but you can kind of tell when someone has a certain something about them that, you know, that they can add something to the project. Obviously, you need to look at their um, kind of like a CV or, you know, past experience and stuff, which is obviously also super important, but you also need to look as, can I work with this person? Is this person someone that we can grow with? Is this someone that can actually, you know, be along for the long run? Do they work well with the rest of the people in the, in the team? So, I mean, that's just kind of how it has come together. And, you know, we obviously are expanding as time goes on. And it's just like, yeah, I think it's just a really um, an awesome process to just find these people that you relate to and that, you know, can add so much value. And yeah, like we said, it's been a pretty organic process in that sense. Yeah, and that definitely makes a lot of sense. The reason I bring it up is because, you know, one of the core motives of creating Web3 Connect was because we saw that a lot of people were having difficulty finding the talent that they need to execute their project visions. And not only that, but finding people who are reliable, trustworthy, right, aren't trying to scam you and pull the rug out from underneath you. It's just such an important thing to consider and such a huge challenge that I think a lot of project founders and projects are experiencing when looking to launch something in this space. And on that note, I'm curious to hear from both of you in terms of building this project from the ground up and the different things that you might have contributed to on the back end, what have you found to be the most challenging part of starting a project and creating something brand new in this space? Maybe things that you didn't expect. What are your kind of thoughts on that? Sure. So I'd say the biggest challenge is, well, actually ties directly to your point. It is finding the right people. It's as simple as that, you know, unless you are a second time founder or you have connections already simple things like who's the right ui designer to use once you have the right ui designer these things get pumped out very quickly and progress can be made really quickly so as soon as we had the right people assembled progress just accelerated and accelerated 
Sibs made a huge contribution on the project because he was able to bring so many of the right kind of people into the project, whether it be UI designer, community manager, Discord mods, just things that are critical to the project. But, you know, it would have taken me ages to try and work through, I don't know, community manager submissions, and I'd be concerned whether or not we had the right person. And I suppose that's why something like your building is so critical. Like, it certainly would have saved me a hell of a lot of time. Yeah, it, it's weird. I'm I'm reading this book, Blink, right now by Malcolm Gladwell. I don't. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but brilliant book. Sorry, it's sorry. Oh, brilliant you have book. read it. It's yeah, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. It talks about just how little information you need to derive a gut feeling for whether or not something's going to be a good fit for you, or the, just predicting the outcome of a certain thing. And when you can focus on the right things, surprisingly, the prediction rates are really, really high. Even something as complicated as like predicting like the outcome of a marriage, they're able to predict it with like. 80 to 95 percent accuracy or something ridiculous i just thought of that because you were talking about hiring your mods and cms and kind of getting a feel for who they are and are they there to contribute and do they see the same vision as you you can very quickly kind of get a sense of whether or not they're on board with that and it seems like that's the case for you guys so congrats on building a pretty solid team around you in this downturn i always I was reading Solana Sensei's Twitter actually earlier today. He made this post about just the death of a lot of projects. A lot of things are dying out right now, but it's good. You need these cycles and it means that the entire ecosystem is healing. The the degen mints, the the rugs, they're going to come up less often, far less often now. Um, and I think that's a really good thing. And through these cycles, we see standards improving. And I'm wondering, what do you guys see for the NFT space, perhaps in the next two to three years, maybe even five-year outlook. And more to that, where do you see CrowdSurf's role in that ecosystem growth? Excellent question. Look, and I mean, bear markets are hard. They are difficult. It is boring. There's not a lot going on there. And even worse, people aren't speaking about what's going on because hype and bull markets just you know attract people so it is going to be incredibly difficult going forward i suppose we would hope our role as crowdsurf would be to actually bring light and allow projects that are building to really be at the forefront of investment because although we may or may not be heading towards gloom and doom for the next three months or two years, whatever it might be, in that time, people are going to stay building. And the ones that do stay building are going to pop out in a few years when the market resurfaces, and they're going to be the tech startups. They're going to be the Microsoft of Web3. This is not a gloom and doom situation. This is simply Things are going to happen, but it's going to happen under the radar. Yeah, I think that's also why it's like um, it can be sometimes stressful as a project during this time, you know, when I feel like we really have a lot to give and we've been working, you know, tirelessly on this idea and wanting to really uplift the space. And I'm confident in us as a team and what we bring in. You know, it's obviously a tough time, but we really want to be here during this bear market. We will build through it. We're not going to stop. We are doing everything we possibly can to make this project a success because we really believe in Solana. We believe in what's happening here. 
I mean, I think all of us can say that it's in an infectious place and you get addicted to it. You know, it does hurt to see so many people getting used or, you know, like being uh, tricked in some ways or, you know, like losing so much money for these certain, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in the system that are just like, I mean, even DJ mints, like as fun as they are, you know, it's the same, like few groups of people doing these DJ mints and, you know, they're making tons of money and a lot of that probably isn't going back into the ecosystem. And it's just a weird place that we're in, but you know, there's so much potential here. It's amazing that this is a place you can come to as a web three business, have an amazing project and mint out and get funding for a vision and dream that you can build. And those are the types of projects and people, you know, that are going to stay here and build. We want to be a part of building that and bringing that to the outside world. I think we can definitely do that. So we're just happy to be here and we just want to provide for this community and for the Solana space and just make it a better place, you know, and hopefully uh, you know, improve it any way that we possibly can. Absolutely. And it's twofold, right? Where if the whole space is to mature, which it is right now, it requires both the projects to improve in their delivery and their communication and their transparency, but also the investors. What do you think is underrated in this space? So no, I'm not really referring to a project here. I'm talking about like traits, personality traits, ways to that you can kind of choose your focus. So for example, it could be patience or observing founders as opposed to floor price and volume and Twitter feed. What's something that you would say is like a valuable trait to have for most investors or even builders? Maturity, I guess. If you've been through bull markets and bear markets before, you do understand these cycles. And the big thing with these cycles is <laughs> at some point the bull market ends and the bear market begins. And in that time, you can profit, but you can also make real long-term investment decisions. Now, a lot of the value from certain NFT projects doesn't derive from their floor price. A lot of projects are building external revenue streams, things outside of the NFT space. And with that, it gives you as an individual an opportunity to essentially be a venture capitalist, to invest in a pre-seed startup. And if we start taking that view, then we can really identify real opportunities rather than just hyped mints, I guess. I think also to add on that, I think maturity is definitely the most important one. And I guess also, obviously, it goes hand in hand with, with patience as well, because obviously, you know, you know that you need to be patient. But the sense that I've gotten from, you know, some people in the space is that there's a lot of people here that are definitely just here to, I mean, everyone's here to make money in some way, shape or form. You can confidently say that this is a place where people come and they get dollar signs in their eyes and it's like flipping this and you're making so much money and it's so easy. And it's like, but the problem is, I think that scares away a lot of new investors because it's the volatility. So I think within the next six months, you know, as we go through this bear market and, you know, the people that, that are here for the long run stay and, and more people mature and, you know, hopefully more external investment comes in, there will be more people looking at the space with the lens of like, okay, well, I actually have enough money. Because I think, again, there's also a lot of very like young people in the space. The more established people we can get in that maybe have a little bit more experience with the length of these things take, then it's only going to allow for more money to come in that's actually okay well i'm gonna invest in this project i'm actually gonna hold this project because i like this idea where we're like looking at a hundred different projects and you're looking at this one and this one and this one and this one so i guess also another one would just be focus like if people can be focused on what they actually want to be part of um you know then that focus is going into these projects and then those projects are actually able to grow a lot more because they have an increased amount of attention on them I love that answer. That was very well said on both of your parts. And I 100% agree. Like 
the masses, you know, who are not currently yet in the NFT or Web3 space, right? The masses are not going to start migrating here to the space or even taking it seriously until we have that level of maturity. And our goal here as builders, as project teams, should be to convince more people to join the space and define a better future, not just tap into the current market share. And really that requires looking at NFT projects as if they are tech startups, because in reality, that is exactly what they are. And I feel like a lot of people overlook that perspective. I'm curious to just kind of almost close it off here as what would be sort of the best piece of advice you both could give to somebody who is wanting to build something in this space, is wanting to start their own project? Like what should they consider before jumping in? Well, I think the best advice is just to start doing it. You know, I was almost shocked at how people tend to rally around you when you say that you have an idea and you want to build something. And you know, I think it's also about being incredibly persistent. You know, I ran to Dan saying, let's build something. He said, yes, 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 Matt, lovely. You know, this is this is cool. And ran to him a few days later and said, Dan, come on, we have to do it. And it took him a few days or, I don't know, a week or so to try and get him fully on board. But now when he's fully on board, he's making things happen. So I guess in terms of advice, it's just started just try just don't be afraid to put your idea out there no one's going to steal it there are thousands of good ideas out there the only thing people care about is are you doing something with that idea and yeah you'd be surprised at how many people want to get involved and want to support it yeah i think also to echo what matt's saying i think it's a brilliant answer get out there start interacting with people as much as possible like Jump into Twitter spaces, talk to people, don't be shy, message anyone you think could help or benefit you in some way. People are so open and welcoming here for the most part. It doesn't matter if someone's a big NFT project owner or something like that. Just DM them. They might DM you back, you know, like if there's something that you can, a question you have or something you like, you maybe want to work together on something, you know, it's like just take any opportunity and just run with it because like there is so much room for growth and, and there's so much opportunity here. And it's still small enough that you can connect with these players in the game that are kind of well-established or, you know, you could just jump into one Twitter space, request to speak, have a good time with some, like some of the biggest people in the space. And there we go. You've made some connections that could help build out your project or, you know, help give you insights into things. So yeah, it's like, don't be shy. Just like, you know, fully immerse yourself in what's going on here. Absolutely. I love that advice. And before we close out, I guess I'll just open it up for any final words. If you all want to share your mint details, I don't think they're finalized yet, but I'll throw that out there or how people can keep up with you on socials. Any last words from you both? Yeah, sure. So I suppose if they want to join our Discord, it's uh, I think discord.gg backslash crowdsurf. Our Twitter handle is at crowdsurfnft. And we haven't got a specific mint date in mind. We expect it to be late June or early July. And follow us along. We'll hopefully be doing a few Twitter spaces and really trying to get these ideas out there. And uh, yeah, come to the Discord, hang out with us, find out more, ask us any questions you have, anything you want to find out. We're always open and happy to jump into the public VC and Discord and answer any questions, no matter what it is. We actually um, encourage that because we want to make sure that we have every answer 
to every question so that we can make sure that we can deliver what we promise. And uh, yeah, we just really want to provide something cool for you guys. And uh, yeah, hopefully um, form a, an awesome community. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's make it through this bear market together. You know, that's all we have is each other. So <laughs> might as well have some fun while we're at it. All right. Well, Seb, Matt, thank you both so much for joining us. This was an awesome conversation. I love to see honest builders creating actual long-term value in this space. It's just a refreshing change of pace from what seems to be the motive of many projects launching nowadays. So thank you so much again for joining us and excited to see what you guys continue to build out. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I think we're not asking too much. We just want to like, you know, because we understand that the grind is horrible. We all hate it. But if you leave some, you know, good feedback, write a report on our reporting hub, do some fan art, anything that just, you know, is helping and benefiting the community that we're building, then there's more than happy to award whitelist, you know, but yeah, we look forward to seeing any and all of you in the discord. That's well said. Quick comment for those of you that are still listening. I went into their Discord maybe a few weeks ago, added a couple contributions, really thought about their product, and they're one of the few Discords that seems to truly appreciate feedback and people that are trying to grow the project with different roles and whatnot. I just thought it was awesome that you guys are doing that. So yeah, thank you. And I think everyone should be modeling pretty much after that. Thank you so much. And thanks again for having us. Really, really appreciate it. Hopefully chat again soon in a couple of weeks when we've hopefully minted. It was an absolute pleasure talking to both of you and thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure having you guys on. Thank you. All right, guys, that is all we had for you today. Matt dropped CrowdSurf's socials there at the end, but make sure to also follow him at C underscore S underscore Matt and Seb at Seb underscore Moriarty on Twitter. If you'd like to keep up with us, we're at Web3ConnectX on Twitter. And if there's anyone you'd like to hear on the podcast next, shoot us a DM and we'll try our best to get them on for you. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you.